0: Well, as we continue uh, today in our series, Clearing the Confusion, we uh, embark upon a subject that has a a tremendous amount of uncertainty, uh, not only sometimes within the church, uh, but also quite evidently also outside of the church as well. Oftentimes met with skepticism, complete rejection. Uh, Sometimes when we have an opportunity to to present that gospel, the bottom line, uh, we get stumped. Because we don't know what the gospel is. This confusion about the gospel has even paralyzed some people, uh, some of us, from sharing our faith. Uh, Bottom line, because we don't know what the gospel is. Yet, another tragedy is... Uh, The men and women who uh, point to others, uh, and they point to uh, other folks who have some form of a gospel, but it is not the gospel. Some have been sucked into this other gospel. Uh, They don't have a clue that their souls are on the line And sometimes they uh, are some of the most difficult people uh, to be reached or uh, to be delivered from it. And finally, there are those who have known the gospel but have been taken captive by the schemes and promises of people promoting a gospel that guarantees a better car, a gospel that guarantees a bigger home. A gospel that uh, provides uh, a promotion on the job uh, and other things that we deeply desire. Now, I, I want you to know, there is nothing intrinsically wrong with having those things. Amen? But that is not the purpose of the gospel. Uh, you hear what I'm saying? Uh, the Stuff is not the purpose of the gospel because stuff one day is going to disappear. But the gospel will remain. But how could it be possible for someone who has a redemptive relationship with Jesus Christ to even be tempted? How could you, a being saved for so many years, even be tempted by another gospel? Jesus helps us to understand this. when in Matthew 24, verse 24. He says this For false Christs, plural, and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, possible, even the elect. If that were even possible, Jesus says. So he says, you know, you cannot be led astray if you are of the elect, and the elect are those who are followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. Jesus, of course, he's speaking of the end times and all the stuff that's going to happen. That some folks will look at other folks who declare that this is the gospel, and they're doing miracles, and they're running to this person, and then they're being deceived. That's why right, it could be possible for the person that's sitting right next to you. Go well, ahead, take a look. The person sitting next to you, you. Have no one sitting next to you. Look in front or behind you. It is possible that someone in here can be deceived by a false gospel. Primary way we can ensure that we are not deceived by another gospel is to know what the gospel is and accept it by faith. Knowledge is good, but uh, if we never move beyond mere knowledge uh, and never move beyond living in within that gospel by faith, we will never really have a firm grasp upon what Christ wants us to live by. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 2, He says, now I would remind you brothers of the gospel that I preached to you which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preach to you. That last part though, right? Unless you believed In vain. So in other words, you said that you believed all this stuff and you need to hold on to it, but if you don't, it looks like that you could have possibly believed in what? Vain. It's very interesting, again, if you understand uh, any of the context of 1 Corinthians, uh, that one of the the, the contexts of 1 Corinthians is the division in the church. Of course, you know about the issues with folks sleeping with their mother-in-law. You know about the issue uh, that one of the reasons that this aspect of communion is there in chapter 11 in 1 Corinthians, you know why? Because folks were coming to the Lord's table all crazy. Uh, That they were uh, having the Lord's Supper and some folks, uh, instead of, you know, like we do, we, we pass the plate. And we reach in and we grab a a little cracker or a little larger cracker and, and we take it, amen, in remembrance of what the Lord has done. But it's like Paul was saying, some folks were coming to the Lord's table and then when they passed the plate, they would take their paws and then they would stick their paws in the plate and grab a whole handful of crackers. And just start eating. Some folks were so out of it. That what they were doing. When they began to pass the cup. Instead of taking one little bitty sip. They start grabbing a whole bunch of them. And man I'm thirsty. And this, is, and this is good. It's nice and cool. Uh, so Paul was saying that. Uh, some people. Some people's mind is messed up. Uh, even with communion. People were divided over who, who saved them, who brought them to Christ. And then, uh, some folks were confused even over the gospel. Some folks forgot what the gospel of Jesus Christ was. And I, and I believe in our society today, uh, folks who call themselves Christians, that many folks don't even know what the gospel is. Can't even find it in scripture. But I believe that knowing who Christ is, knowing where to get our word, and knowing these things, it keeps us from error. And it also draws us closer to Him who is Jesus Christ, who has redeemed us from our sin. There is only one gospel. There is only one gospel. Uh, how many gospels are there? Uh, There is only, how many Gospels? Uh, There is only one Gospel. uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 3. Now Paul says, For I deliver to you as of first importance. Uh, Did you you see that word? Those two words, he says, For, I deliver to you as of what? First, what importance? First, and this is the important thing for your life and also for my life. He says, of first importance, what I also receive. Uh, not only do I give it to you as a priority, but this was also a priority in my life, Paul says. He says that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. So we all know that uh, the word gospel uh, simply means what? That is our what? Come on. Good news. The gospel is the good news. So here is the good news for all of us, and it is good news that is trustworthy, good news that is reliable, and comforts us all the way into eternity. Number one, First part of the good news is that Christ died for our sins. Come on, what is the first part of the good news for us? Come on, Christ. And Paul goes on to say, according with the scriptures, this is not something in which we should insist; uh, never should have happened, uh, as far as Christ dying for us. Uh, but it is an act that was determined to happen throughout eternity. Because we know as Jesus Christ as God, uh, God had to know that he would make these plans out for us. So Christ died for our sins. The fact remains that all of us were born sinners. And to be a sinner means that your very existence is in opposition to God. Did you know that? Did you know that if you do not accept Jesus Christ that every time you wake up and when you go to sleep and every else everywhere else in between is in opposition to God did you know that your very existence that God looks at you with disdain and not with pleasure if you don't know him we all are or have been very far away from our Lord but again in our sinful condition we are so far away from him that we are in opposition that we are enemies of God There was and is no other way of correcting a condition that is innate in men and women and boys and girls all over this globe. That within yourself, there's nothing you can do about it. You were just born that way. It would be like trying to move the saltiness out of salt. It would be like trying uh, to remove the sweetness out of sugar. You see, sugar is sweet and salt is salty. Uh, That's just what it is. You go to the store and you buy salt because it is salty. So, by your very existence, our existence, uh, even before Jesus Christ, we are in sin. We are eternally connected with sin. And there is only one way to eradicate that sin, and it is through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. But then someone will say, it doesn't, it doesn't even make sense that someone would even die for us in the first place. Dilip Joseph uh, tells a story about his capture by the Taliban uh, December 5, uh, 2012. He is an American doctor who traveled to Iraq uh, over ten times. Within four years. And in all those excursions there, uh, he never at one time had any trouble with the Taliban. But on his last trip there, right, go figure, traveling on some remote road, all of a sudden these gunmen appeared. And the smile and the contentment of his life that existed there, all of a sudden it disappeared. He was captured. Captured. In Afghanistan, his captors demanded a ransom of $300,000. And we think of America, uh, for a man's life, that that's really nothing. Uh, They probably waste more buying a toilet seat than they could have just spending that money going in and rescuing this gentleman. But Dr. Joseph, he understood and he knew uh, that uh, he would not get any help and he was absolutely right. No one would send any money. He would not be delivered that way. But one night while he was in captivity, late at night, he heard gunshots. And then he heard a whisper Dr. Joseph, Dr. Dylan Joseph. And I'm sure he listened at that voice and he heard that that voice didn't have an accent. That he knew uh, that it was an American who had come to rescue him. In fact, it was that now famous uh, Navy SEAL Team 6 who had come to rescue him. Uh, So they came and, uh, praise God, that they successfully rescued him from the enemy. But there was also a personal tragedy there as well. One of the soldiers who had come to rescue him, he was killed name was Petty Officer First Class Nicholas Check That he was killed trying to rescue this man out of the clutches of the Taliban. Why would a person living at ease in America uh, get on ships and boats and planes and helicopters and go into a foreign land to rescue another, because obviously he had a concern he didn 't have to go. you know that right? He could have said, You know what, uh, Captain uh, or whoever was this officer uh, you don't have to you don't have to put me on this mission. put me in jail instead. So here is this gentleman, Nicholas check don 't even know who Dr. Joseph is. But yet, he comes in uh, deciding that he would even risk his life and die for another. What makes one person die for another? Anytime anyone puts their life on the line for you, you can be assured that they care for you. You can be assured of that. Petty Officer Nicholas Check knew there was a possibility of him losing his life to save another. But even with that knowledge, uh, he decided that this was a worthwhile venture. Faced with sure death, God knew it was a worthwhile venture to send Jesus Christ to rescue us from the clutches of death. The ransom, we believe, was too high. But could there be another to rescue us from the clutches of darkness? Well, here's your choice. You have two options. The first option is that you can pay for your sin with your own life. Oh, God gives you that option. You're talking about pro-choice. God says uh, you can choose this if you want. But the downside to this option is that you will forever experience eternal death. You will forever be separated from God. In addition, you as a sacrifice simply, guess what? You are unacceptable to God. You see, uh, in order to be acceptable by God, you have to be perfect. So uh, if you were to give your life for your own self, number one, when it's done, you're going to be done anyway, number one. So you're still going to hell, in other words. Uh, but also, number two, uh, in essence, God does not accept you. Because uh, in order for God to accept a sacrifice, uh, that one of the qualification, one of the characteristics, it is that sacrifice must be perfect. And we are not perfect. But there is one who is perfect. And that is the second preferred option. And that is, it would be to accept Jesus Christ as your deliverer, who is acceptable, Jesus Christ, who is perfect, uh, Jesus Christ, who God accepts, A uh, Jesus Christ, who loves you, and Jesus Christ, who also knows you. So it is important that we understand Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. So the first point of us of our understanding of what the gospel is, and that is uh, Jesus Christ, that he died for what? Our sins. The next thing to know is that Christ, that he was buried. Why is a burial important to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Number one, you don't bury anything that's alive. Most sane people don't. Put it to you that way. You don't bury anything that's alive. You only bury things that are dead. Uh, so they took Jesus off of the cross and they entombed him and they sealed it. Uh, they also prepared his body as well and they wrapped him. Why? Uh, not in the swaddling cross clothes from uh, the cradle, but now in the death clothes. Those uh, very death clothes in which uh, Lazarus, who was already uh, dead, and, and he they said, Lord, by now he stinketh. Alright, King James Version. Uh, that Lord, right now he stinks. And Jesus Christ, who laid in the tomb, he, before that, he speaks to Lazarus who was dead and in the tomb, and he says, what? Lazarus, come forth. So Jesus Christ, who now lays in the tomb, he once had the power, how? By his very words, to speak to a man who was dead for days, and say, come forth. One of the Gospels says that the words of Jesus Christ, that they were so powerful, uh, that not only did Lazarus come forth, but dead folks were getting up, walking out of the graves, all over the place. That uh, the words of God are so strong that it causes the dead to raise up. Oh no, not this night of the living dead stuff that we know about. You know, uh, it is uh, those uh, who are empowered by the Word of God Himself. Pilate, wanting to make sure that this Jesus Christ, whom he had crucified, would stay in there, says this in Matthew twenty-seven, verse sixty-five. Pilate said to them, "You have a guard of soldiers. Go." Make it as secure as you can. In other words, make sure that that dead man don't come up out of there. Make sure nobody gets in there and say that he disappeared. Verse 66. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Uh, Pilate, he sets a guard in place to certify Jesus' body would not uh, be tampered with or be moved. So not only did Christ die for our sins, but he also was buried. Here's the great part. You always wonder, well, what makes Jesus Christ different from all the other religions in the world? That on the third day, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Last time I checked, Muhammad was still under. Last time I checked, uh, the Buddha was still under. But Jesus Christ, being God, who has the power of his words and the power of the resurrection within himself, that he was raised from the dead. And the hope that exists in Jesus also exists in those who follow Jesus Christ but then the proof of the good news. And we have that, right? Uh, So we have uh, the three points of the gospel. That is what? That Jesus Christ, he what? The second was what? He was buried. And the third is what? Raised on the third day. Of course, it's all wrapped. There's many other things that we have to know about Jesus Christ, right? Uh, knowing about him being the perfect sacrifice. But there's also the proof of the good news as well. In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 6, Paul says this. This is important. Then, and not only did he appear to the twelve, right? So it makes sense that all those folks who were following Jesus Christ that they probably could have gotten together and said that, you know what, yeah, Jesus was, Jesus is alive. They could have gotten together and said, yeah, we saw him, but we expect those people who are closest to him to kind of come together and, and bring up this thing. But then 1 Corinthians 15, 6 says what? Then he appeared uh, to more than how many brothers? And by the way, he ain't talking about brother brothers. You know what I mean, brothers? Now, uh, he's talking about believers in the faith. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. And at the writing of this letter, uh, Paul says most of whom are still alive, although some have fallen asleep. And Paul, he uses this language, uh, fallen asleep, because he wants you to know uh, that those brothers that have fallen asleep, that they one day too will also rise. That right now they're just asleep. They're taking a nap right now. In their, in their repose, uh, they're laying there. But one day, those brothers who are asleep, that they will awake and celebrate. So that is the good news. That is the gospel. The death, burial, resurrection, and confirmation of Jesus being alive. So then, what is the confusion? That's simple enough. And by the way, uh, the gospel for us is not just the knowledge, but it is also uh, taking it by faith. Then what is the confusion about the gospel? Turn with me to Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul again here writes, So Paul tells us that uh, when you depart from the gospel, you end up with a distorted gospel. Uh, When you depart from the gospel, you end up with a distorted gospel. Verse 6. Paul says, uh, I am astonished. Uh, You see that? He says that he is in wonderment that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed, as we have said before. So now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, what? Let him be accursed. Okay? So now, we already know what the gospel is, right? Come on. We know what the gospel is. So Paul said, if there's anyone come to you teaching or preaching any other mess, and I do call it mess, uh, Paul says, let him or her be accursed. You see, ultimately, to to desert the gospel is to desert Christ. You see, when you start fitting around with the gospel when you start filling around with a message, pulling out bits and pieces to your own liking, uh, uh, that you are deserting Christ. See, Jesus and his gospel are forever intertwined. You see, if you mess with Jesus, you mess with the gospel. If you mess with the gospel, you mess with Jesus. Jesus and the gospel are just like this. So as soon as you start pulling out one part, then you mess up the whole thing. It's like, uh, if you can imagine, if someone made you, if you uh, still drink Kool-Aid, I know this is uh, contemporary society, so uh, many of us don't drink Kool-Aid anymore. Amen? Right? And um, uh, if you uh, made yourself a batch of Kool-Aid, let's say lemonade, there we go, right? I think most people make lemonade at home. Uh, So uh, if you make yourself a batch of lemonade and you sweeten it up really, really nice and you get it just right. And then you have somebody crazy in your house uh, who comes and say, I'm going to put like a tablespoon of black pepper in this in this lemonade. Oh, man, this is going to be so good. But you put that amount of black pepper into this big thing and you know what happens to the whole thing, right? The whole thing would be messed up. I remember one time uh, I made a, uh, I, I thought I was doing something really great, but I didn't quite understand what I was doing. I, I made a, a pot of this Thai chicken soup, and I said, man, I really want this thing hot. So I went out, and I bought some habanero peppers, and uh, and I put one in. I said, that ain't going to be these little bitty things. I put one in, and then I end up putting three in there, and man, I had, I must have spent like about $20, $30 on shrimp, and I had some other stuff in this whole thing, some chicken. It was, I said, man, this is good, and I know it's going to be great. And I let that stuff simmer, and man, I was, I said, oh, man, that smells good. And I was smelling and saying, this is just the right spiciness. Just right. So then I take, uh, get ready to eat this stuff. I uh, know this food and, and and I pour it in a bowl and I take you know my, my tablespoon and I dip it in and 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 I taste the first I'm like whoa this is hot just a tablespoon it was, it about killed me. I'm like well maybe it is it's all not like this. So I took that and and, and and I moved that out the way and I said let me let this stuff cool down right uh, how is how is temperature cool down on cool down hot peppers? It didn't even make sense. But I did it anyway. It made sense to me at the time. Uh, and then I, I poured another bowl uh, full of that stuff, and, and I ate it, and it was so hot. And this big vat of soup that I made was so jacked up that I had to throw the whole thing. I couldn't eat anything out of it. Nothing nothing. You see, when you tamper with Jesus Christ and you tamper with the gospel, you end up with nothing. Uh, You can't add and you can't take away anything from that, else you end up with nothing. So Paul says that some Galatians have quickly deserted Jesus Christ and turned to a different gospel. Well, uh, you may or may not have heard there's a such thing as the gospel of Thomas. We've heard the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Mark, the, 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 the Gospel of Luke, and the Gospel of John. But then there's this Gospel of, uh, of, of Thomas, which is simply not a Gospel. And then there's the Gospel of Philip. I want you to know about these things. So that when you see them, you know that these things are not Scripture. There's the Gospel of Philip. There's the Gospel of truth. There's the Coptic Gospel of the Egyptians, And there's also the gospel, even even Mary got her own gospel. Understand that all of these may have an element of truth somehow hidden in them, and that's the thing that draws you. If you hear one thing of truth, then you begin to say that. I wonder, well, maybe the rest of the stuff is okay. But when you see that run and run quickly, because that is a sure sign of false teaching. So, which one of the false gospels was, was Paul mentioning here in Galatians? And he says that he was astounded that they were quickly deserting Christ for another gospel. In fact, the Scripture says that, and that's a, that people were moving; they were changing lanes quickly. So they were in this one lane, and then all of a sudden, they switched lanes midstream. They went awol. Which one of those Gospels were they turning to? None of them. They weren't turning to any of those Gospels. Then what was Paul talking about? The Gospel they turned to was the Gospel of legalism. It was the Gospel of legalism. You know what legalism is, right? In essence, what Paul was saying was that Uh, that there are some people who have been saved by the grace of God now they think they're going to stay saved by the stuff that they do make sure you do this make sure you do that make sure you do this make sure you do that all the rules, all the regulations you know when you have all those rules it becomes a yoke upon your neck it becomes heavy a burden which you cannot uh, live in freely freely how can a person who has been saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ turn again to dead works as a place of strength and as a place of redemption? First, I must say, as I repeatedly said, the moment that you add anything to Jesus, take anything away from Jesus, or remove Jesus out of the picture, that you end up with nothing. This issue here in Galatians was so pervasive that it was beginning to take hold among believers. Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by the hearing with faith? Was it by the stuff that you did? Or was it by your faith? Jesus Christ, I heard that you died for my sins. I heard that you were buried. I heard on the third day uh, that you were raised from the dead. I believe, I believe. Which of that uh, did you take part in? Even after we have accepted Jesus Christ through faith, some believe that their works will sustain them and perfect them. It is not by works that you have been saved. Jesus not only redeems us from our sin, but he also keeps us as well. So if you're wondering about your life, that you know what, I call myself a follower of Christ, but I'm having problems, repent and turn to him. Repent and turn to him, and ask the Lord to help you. Do not abandon your faith. Do not abandon your help. Do not abandon your redemption. We all should be very careful and we should listen with discerning ears and hearts of everyone who teaches and preaches. Why would anyone who has been freed from bondage through the blood of Jesus Christ again return to their Egypt? Why would you return from whence you came that you know you lived in bondage? That Egypt, being the works of the flesh, which is a performance-based salvation. So the distinction is simply this: they all believe they receive salvation through faith alone in Christ alone, and then some say, "But in order for me to stay saved, I got to do this or I got to do that." No, that's not what keeps you saved. Uh, he who saves you also keeps you saved. And then in Galatians 5, verse 1, Paul says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You see, on the one hand, uh, we we are bound by him who loves us. But on the other hand, we must live a life that reflects he who loves us. So some say, well, I have uh, so much grace of Jesus Christ, I can do whatever I want to do. You are wrong. You are bound uh, by Jesus Christ if you believe that he died for your sins. Earlier, I told uh, a story about Dr. Dilt Joseph, who was captured by the uh, Taliban and freed by U.S. soldiers, in which Nicholas Cech was killed, saving his life. But listen to what else Dr. Joseph went on to say. He says this. It's hard to live with the idea that someone died to save your life. That is hard. And then he reflects. He said, someone died for me. The interviewer went on to ask him, well then, how do you respond to this? Dr. Joseph replied, and I quote, The best you can do is to honor them with your life. End quote. He said that he would spend the rest of his life honoring Nicholas Cech by saving lives through his medical training. Well, how do you respond to the message of the gospel? How do you respond to the fact that Jesus died for you? We do so by honoring Jesus with our life. Saving other lives by pointing people left and right to Jesus Christ. And also living just like his disciples. How do you respond to the message of the gospel? How do you respond to the fact that Jesus died for you? Not like living like a fool. It's not being holy on Sunday and living like hell on Monday. It's living a dignified and righteous life the best you can. Learning about the Lord. Pressing when things fall apart around you. And if you don't know anything, just know that Jesus died for me. He lives. He has cleansed me. And I am in relationship with Him. How do you respond to the fact that Jesus died for you?